Hey guys, I've got with me here uh, Jerry Feta uh, today. He is the owner of Wealth Dynamics up in Alaska. Can you even believe that's a state? That's like practically Canada. Regardless, it is home of beautiful landscapes and sound financial advice. Now, uh, Jerry has a great many clients who trust him with their financial information. He's somebody who I lean on for information if I need it, just at a higher level, or if I need uh, some quick advice that I can't get from some of the people around here. He is somebody who uh, I trust implicitly, somebody who I have worked with before, and really somebody that I truly respect. And this is a segment of the interview where Jerry and I are talking about gold, because my new book, uh, How Inflation Killed the West, is going to be coming out relatively soon, could be a couple months, no launch date exactly yet, but uh, Jerry is somebody who will be featured uh, in the latter half of the book, and that is where you're going to get this full interview. But in the meantime, we've got for you this uh, little snippet, just something to give you an idea about what we believe, why we believe it, and how we back that up. We have you know, gold and silver you transact with. Right now with how digital we are, it could be, you know, even an online thing where you've got a verification of, of a gold-backed storage for your value, and then you have a certain amount of online, you know, transactions or credits that could go with that. So there's any number of ways that could do it. But the most simple one, Kevin, is if the economy crashed and you and I both have gold, we now have a common, agreeable medium of exchange between each other. And so we're going to transact with each other probably at a higher priority than we would with somebody else because you trust the fact that I'm giving you gold, and you know what that means. And I think that there's a lot to be said for that. Certainly, and, and I think one of the greatest traders of our time, you know, Warren Buffett, uh, talks a lot about markets being driven on uh, greed and, and, and fear, very basic uh, primal emotions, and, and trust is certainly one of those uh, emotions. So it's understandable that a I don't want to call it basic currency for fear of, of, of demeaning it, but it's certainly a, a, a way to clear out all of the, the confusing uh, financial jargon that's been thrown on top of our, our, our fiat currency. Um, with that being said, though, does that mean everyone should dump everything they have into gold, or should it be a percentage, or how do you advise people around that? Yeah, so that's that's going to be a little bit different for every investor. So I, I have a gold and silver brokerage um, where we you know help our clients invest in bullion. And so we have some people where they're very gung-ho about it, and then that's what they're doing is they would rather own gold than anything else. And, and they look at it from the standpoint almost like they're still operating on a gold-backed currency. That's how they operate with their own finances. So they want gold, the fluctuations that they have in, in the gold prices of, of up and down, they, they base their financial decisions off of that, whereas most people base it off of the dollar or what they have currently in their bank. So some, some clients will go that route, and then for a lot of them, it's a, it's a piece of their overall asset base. And, and that's more of my approach with it is it's kind of a percentage basis. Um, and, and the problem with gold is if, if a crash doesn't happen, gold doesn't cash flow. So you don't want to just be sitting on, on an asset that doesn't cash flow hoping that something happens and hoping it goes up in value. You still do need to have income, and so you still do need to have things like real estate and businesses and, and life insurance and other things like that that are going to produce for you uh, while that gold retains its value and then inversely you know, goes up in value when the markets do correct. 
So I like to say, you know, on the low end, at least five to ten percent of overall assets in gold and silver, uh, or it could just be, you know, gold only, depending on what your fancy is. And now you've talked pretty much exclusively about gold, but uh, you mentioned that you also had a, a silver brokerage. And what would you say is the primary difference between those two? And and what would advise put you? What would have you putting money or recommending clients put money? Uh, more into silver versus gold, and uh, and how do you come to that 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 decision? Yeah, so I like to relate it to to um, you know if you were to think of stocks, gold is like owning Berkshire Hathaway. So it's it's a very expensive purchase price. You know it's going to go up in value. There's not a whole lot of deviation, um, and, and it's going to be a bi a big value play with with the finances that you're putting towards that. And, and also it does have, you know, a lot of, of historical proof of being backed as a real currency, uh, you know, if you're on a standard or actually used for the currency itself. So that's where gold is a strong play. Silver, I almost like to relate that more to like a small cap investment. So like right now, if you look at the differences, silver is like maybe $19 an ounce. Gold is like $1,500 and a half per ounce. And so the difference there, you can see it's a lower barrier to entry, but if you just look at the charts, silver is a lot more volatile. So maybe for somebody that, you know, from a, a investing standpoint, they want more of a potential for an upward deviation, they might like silver because there are times where it spikes and it goes from $20 an ounce up to 50 an ounce. And, and that's a great upswing to catch, but, you know, simultaneously it can drop just as fast. So it really is more of an aggressive um, maybe a little more volatile investment. It does have a potential higher utility value, value than gold can. So that's another one that might give it some, some uh, oomph over on its corner as well. But, you know, for me personally, I like, I like to do different splits. So I've got, again, you know, clients that will go, if they're more aggressive, they might do 80% silver and 20% gold. They might go 50-50 or they might flip that to where they've got most of it in gold and just a little bit of that in silver. And, and that's understandable. And we've talked a bit about uh, volatility, and we've mentioned uh, returns and cash flow uh, with gold. Now, when it comes to investing, um, one of the biggest uh, knocks on gold that I've heard, again, from uh, larger uh, financial people, uh, uh, gurus, if you will, that gold isn't uh, uh, profitable. Gold doesn't have a great rate of return. You could invest the same amount that you would in gold or silver and uh, or any other precious metal and get a greater return in the stock market. Is that is that true? Is that is that weighted kind of like the the mutual fund versus um, versus private reserve strategy uh, uh, reports or or how do you how do you uh, uh, weigh those two and those claims? Yeah, so it's, so I would say that that's not an accurate claim. If you actually look, J.P. Morgan did a study um, of different asset classes over the last 20 years. And in the past 20 years, next to real estate, gold had that second highest rate of return in the last two decades. And so that was about an 8% annualized rate of return where real estate was 9. Gold actually had beat the S&P 500. So what we see here, too, is, is you also have to look at the track records. There's a period of time where it was not legal for a consumer to own gold. So you can't look back at, you know, the S&P lifetime track record and compare that to gold because, in, in reality, there were several decades where American citizens were not allowed to own it. 
And so you can't have just a blank spot. You know what I mean? It's got to. If we're doing apples to apples, we need to be looking at you know what's the what's the most recent common era that we can track. And you know that that twenty to thirty year track record is really what's most accurate to look at. Yeah, I would agree. One of the things that always bothers me is people will talk about either mutual funds or or they will go back and compound the, the S&P 500 from like 1950 forward. I mean, I, I don't even know if my dad was born in 1950. <laughs> How am I supposed to track my investments from back then? So, right. <laughs> so <laughs> that's understandable. Well, uh, that's about all I've got for you. Uh, again, this is uh, Jerry at uh, Wealth Dynamics. Is there anything uh, you'd like to part with? Yeah, I mean, I would definitely encourage people, keep listening to, to Kevin's stuff, reading his content, um, there aren't many, very many people in the financial services industry that are looking at, you know, true factual data on, on money and finances. That's not just a bunch of, you know, Wall Street back fluff. Um, so thank you for having me on today. I really appreciate it, Kevin. Right back at you, Jerry. I uh, always have you on. Um, you know, you've been a great uh, influence in my life, and uh, we'll uh, we'll catch you around the bend next time. All right. That sounds good. Thank you.